in all the poetical books of, of the Bible, there are, are sections that uh, the interpreters and the uh, expositionists have torn apart and puzzled together and grouped uh, together. This particular psalm is in a grouping called the Lament Psalms. Uh, lament means complain. Lament means to voice your affliction and to voice your hurt and your sorrow and your pain. There are great psalms that are praise psalms, and you probably know them. We, we usually sing them. They put music to them, and we usually sing them in praise and worship. Uh, there are great songs of deliverance. Uh, the Lord heard my cry and delivered me out of the pit. There are all kind of psalms about that. Did you know there is about 59 of the psalms are lament psalms? Did you know that? I didn't know it until I read it getting ready to preach this message. I thought lament had a presence, but not that great a presence. Of 59 psalms are considered lament psalms. That means that God cares when we pray lament and when we sing lament themes. You know, it's good for us to, to sing praise and worship, but that's not the only way that you can enter the presence of God. Oh, yes, the Bible says, offer thanks unto God, enter into his presence with thanksgiving, come before him with praise. I, I, I know that. But I also know that he said, call upon me in the day of trouble. Call upon me in the day of lament. Call upon me in the day when you're, you have a complaint. And don't sit there and act like you've never been angry at God. Don't sit there and act like that you've never questioned God and said, why? And why not? And why me? Come on, somebody. Because that's our, our nature. That's the human part of us. And that's the fleshly and carnal part of us that ask those questions. And they're, they're right. And God doesn't mind. He can handle that. God is okay with you opening your mouth to him and telling him how you feel. God is all right with you coming into his presence and, and kneeling in his presence and telling him, Lord, my soul is troubled. My heart is troubled. Lord, I... I don't know which way to turn. I'm, I'm at my wit's end in this situation. I've about bore all that I can bear. I, I, I've about taken my, my last step. I, I need your help. With God's all right with you telling him that. You see, God is, has many destinations or designations, but I, I think the, the, the greatest metaphor for us and concept of God is our Father. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven. He didn't say, My Father. He said, Our Father, the Father of us all. Amen. Not just the, the Father of me. Sometimes we individualize things and pray, My Father. It, it's more accurate and biblical to say, Our Father, because God looks at us in community. He looked at us in community when he saw us depraved and lost and he sent his son Jesus to us. He saw us as community when he saw us uh, thrown uh, as the good Samaritan uh, 
parabolic illustration tells us when we were wounded and left for dead and robbed and, and uh, stripped and, and, and wounded and left laying there. God came to our aid and came to our rescue and, and lifted us out of our dilemma and lifted us out of our depravity. And that's what the 77th Psalm is about. It's about crying unto God and letting God know how you feel. Letting God know how you feel. That, that is one of the greatest truths that I can tell you today about what we're going to preach about is that it's okay with God to pray that way. I'll be right up front and brutally honest and tell you I've prayed that way. Hmm. To the chief musician, this is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was the writer of songs for David. He was the musician that is referred to oftentimes as the chief musician. In this, he is the author of this, this psalm. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. And let me tell you, it's always right to pray. It's always right to pray. It is always in the will of God that you pray. I'm not a campaigning against prayer. I'm just talking to you about how prayer sometimes becomes an obedience issue. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord, and my hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God. Well, we would think that when you remember God, that suddenly everything would just illuminate and the sky would clear and, and everything would just be all right. But listen to what he said. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed in your spirit? I'm talking about in the deep down recesses of who you are, right down in your heart of hearts, right down in that, that person of who you really are and who God knows you to be. He says, I was overwhelmed. Sometimes life can be overwhelming. Sometimes when I, I look at, at families that have so much trauma and have so much uh, things going on in their heart, and in their lives and, and go through multiple episodes of difficulty and hardship and, and loss. And, and you wonder how in the world could one family bear up under so much of that? How in the world could one, one group of people uh, remain faithful to God and remain, remain strong in, in uh, obedience and serving God when bad things like that just seem to happen one after another? Life can be like that sometimes. It can be, and I can't tell you that I understand all of that. I, I know scriptures that, uh, Job 14 and 4, that, that says, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I, I know that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I, I, I know that the Bible 
talks about the multitudes of things. And when you look at Job, can I, do you remember the story of Job? Well, maybe I should be preaching on Job this morning. Most folks don't know who Job is. Job is that man of patience in the Old Testament. That, that man that believed God. The Bible said he did that which was right in the sight of God. In fact, the, the accuser of the brethren, there's some real theological stuff right through here. When the accuser of the brethren, who is the devil, came before the Lord, I didn't know he had access, but I found out he had access. And he says to the Lord, he said, there is none that serves you. There is none that does right. There is none that is upright in heart. There is none that is upright in spirit. None. You don't have anybody. I've walked to and fro in the earth. I've searched them, and there's not a one. And God said, have you considered Job? I'm glad God knows who they are and where they are. Have you considered Job? And God said, a perfect and an upright man, one that escheweth evil and does what is right in the sight of God. And the devil says to God, said, well, his, his whole thing is, is social. It's all about his children and his friends and their relationships and partying and that kind of thing. And said, I tell you what, you attack him at that area, at that level, and I assure you, he'll curse you to your face. So the Lord gave him permission, said you can touch that part of Job. His possessions, here comes a runner. He says, your children were all at a house, and, and the, a storm came and blew the house down, and all your kids were killed. All your children are dead. And Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Another comes running and said, all of your sheep and all of your camels, all of your herds, all of your wealth, all of your prosperity is gone. You have gone from a very wealthy man to a pauper. You are a pauper. You're penniless. You don't have another dime. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. And then the devil reappears. He says to God, let me touch him in his health issues. Let me make him sick. And if I can make him sick enough, he'll curse you to your face. God said, you can't take his life. But he won't fail me. He won't cave in. He won't faint. But you, you can test him if you like. And the Bible said that he was attacked with a boisterous boils and all kinds of terrible affliction and some kind of skin disease similar to pellagra, a form of cancer. In that it, the Bible said he, he, he went and got a piece of a, a potsherd and began scraping himself. He was so repulsive that you could smell him before you ever got inside of him probably. He was so repulsive that nobody came to see him. He was so repulsive that his wife finally said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? It's evident God has forsaken you. It's evident that God doesn't hear your prayers, that he doesn't care about you. And what you need to do is just 
get ahead of the curve and curse him right now and just go ahead and die. And Job said, Woman, thou speakest as a foolish woman talks. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. These eyes shall behold him. O Samakatabokshaya. These eyes shall behold him. And in that latter day I shall stand. And in that latter day I will come forth. For when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. And the Bible said, And the Lord prospered him and restored him insomuch that he was the richest man in all of the East when he came out of that affliction. Sometimes those bad things happen and it seems like they just line up one after another. And, and you wonder sometimes, what, what, what's going on with me, God? What's, what's happening with me? Is something wrong with me about this? And sometimes you get overwhelmed. He said, I thought of the Lord and I got overwhelmed. I call to remembrance those ancient times. You hold my eyelids open back in verse 4. I'm so troubled I cannot speak. I, I can't sleep. I've considered the days of old. I've heard the good stories about, about the flood, and I've heard all of the ancient times, and I call to remembrance my song in the night, and I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. My spirit makes diligent search. Well, we know that we're told to be diligent about the things we say. We know that we're supposed to be diligent about obeying commandments. We know that we're supposed to be diligent about our, our, our prayer life and about our, our walk with the Lord. We know that we're supposed to be diligent workers for the Lord, laborers together with God, diligent in steadfastness. We must be steadfast to keep from being led away with the error of the wicked and grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. That's part of being diligent in this steadfast thing. And being steadfast and being faithful to God is a wonderful, commendable thing, but it doesn't mean that every time you pray a prayer, God's going to answer that prayer immediately. Now, sometimes he does. But sometimes he doesn't. I, I heard maybe Don preached this sermon one time not, not long ago. He said, God always answers prayer. He always answers prayer. I believe you said sometimes he says yes. And we love it when he says yes. We love it when we pray and, and write and process of time we've got the answer to that prayer we look back up on the prayer we we, we prayed sometimes we forget about we ask for that and somebody has to remind us oh yeah I did pray about that didn't I God did answer a prayer there didn't he sometimes it surprises us come on somebody when immediately the answer is yes but sometimes the answer is no And that's what we don't like. But God knows things that we don't know. 
And sometimes the Bible said we ask amiss. In other words, we ask for things that really God knows we don't really need. God knows that that may be harmful to us or that could be a, a terrible a pit for us to fall in. There, there could be all kind of things that are out there in front that we don't know. God knows the future. And we're saying, God, I want this and I want that. And I need you to give me this. And God says, no, no, you don't need that. You don't need him. You don't need her. Well, now that brings on more talk now, doesn't it? My brother Jerry don't want God getting mixed up in my... <clears throat> what does the song say? Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amen. Well, I think you ought to pray about everything. Amen. I'm, I'm sure when there are people sitting here today, when I get in that car, I say, God, keep me safe today. Wherever this car goes, Lord, uh, keep your hand upon me. Amen. Oh, my goodness, don't you know how to drive? Yes, but other people don't. Prayer, take it to the, to the Lord in, in prayer. Jared Wilson has written a great book about praying and about answering prayer and God doing wonderful things for us. The truth is about every one of us is that we're not perfect disciples. We don't just follow the Lord as we ought to. There are a lot of things, and I won't list mine if you won't list yours, but my Lord, there are a lot of ways that I could improve in discipleship. There are a lot of things I could do a better job as a disciple, and I'm working every day on that and trying to get better about that. And I feel like I've come a long way. I'm not what I used to be. Uh, may not be what you want me to be, probably not what God wants me to be either, but I'm working on both of those. But I have to admit there's things about me that's imperfect and things that aren't what uh, God really wants to be probably. And when I pray, I, I have to tell God, God, I don't always get it right. And God, I don't always make the right decision. And God, I don't always make the right choice. Amen. And I can confess that to you and tell you that uh, I'm not a perfect preacher. I'm not a perfect pastor. I'm not... I'm, Thank you, Lord. He just said there are none of those. <laughs> there are none of those. But what God wants us to do, the Bible said, pressing toward. Pressing toward that. Moving toward that. If you're not there yet, at least be moving that direction. At least be reading and praying in that way. At least have that on the agenda as something you would like to get accomplished and get done. Amen? And not just sit and soak and sour where you are, but decide, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm pressing on and I'm trying to be better at this, uh, these commandments and this obedience here. And, and there's several things that I'm, I'm really working on because, you know, there are several scriptures that get really close to us and you better be a really sanctified person 
Amen. And I'm working on that, aren't you? If a man asks you to go a mile with him, go too. Oh boy, we can, we can get into some, uh, if a man asks you for your coat, give him your cloak also. If you see that your brother hath need and you shut up your bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Boy, we've got a whole lot of those one-anotherings that we really need to work on. Come on, somebody. And this discipleship thing, that if we get, really get to the place where Jesus wants us to be and where God wants us to be. But sometimes I think we get the impression that uh, God's a vending machine. You know about vending machines, don't you? You put your money in and punch what you want, and it's supposed to give it to you. Amen. Keyword supposed to. I have seen people stand and beat a vending machine, I've seen them kick them, turn them over, shake them. Still didn't get what they wanted. Run their finger as far up in that little thing as they can get it, trying to get a nickel or a dime back. And some people think that God's just a vending machine. Walk up there and pick out, well, here's my prayer list today. Uh, how about a new car? And how about, it? oh, yeah, that piece of prompto, yeah. And just punch what you want, then start to order, and out it comes. Prayer is not like that. Prayer is not like that. And besides that, God's not very moved by making deals. His history with people making deals is not real good. He's found out that people don't usually keep their bargains on the deals that they make. Here's your good formula. You get ready for it? Psalm 50, 14. We put it on the board before. Offer thanks unto God. First thing, no matter what, offer thanks to God. No matter what, bless the Lord at all times. No matter what, His praise will continually be in my mouth. No matter what, He is the Lord of my life. No matter what, I will bless Him. I will worship Him. I will praise Him no matter what. Offer thanks unto God. And then pay thy vows unto the Most High. Now, that just simply means do what you say you'll do. Just be true to your word. Just be honest. Walk with integrity. Amen? Amen. Offer thanks to God and walk with integrity. And then do what? Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. But first, get it right. Offer thanks. Live a life that gives glory to God. Give praise. Give worship. Give honor to the Lord. Amen. And then pay your vows. And then call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will then glorify me. Now, do you see the formula? Don't get the cart before the horse. 
and say, Lord, if you'll deliver me, I'll give you praise and I'll live for you. He says, no, you got it backwards. You remember when Isaiah came in and told Hezekiah, Hezekiah, you're going to die. Set your house in order. Get your will right. Get everything fixed. You're going to leave this world. Now, Paul would have shouted about that, but Hezekiah didn't think that's very good news. I preached about Paul last Sunday, and he was all excited about that. He said, I'd rather do that. But if we're choosing, I'll choose that. But Hezekiah said, well, I'm not taking that choice. I'm going to take the one to stay a little longer. And the Bible said in Hezekiah, when Isaiah, his pastor, walked out to the outer courts, Hezekiah, the Bible said, turned his face toward the wall, and he said, Lord, remember how I've lived. Remember how I have lived. Remember how I have done that which is right in your sight. Remember how I tore down all of those uh, uh, poles and Remember how that I tore down the altars on the high places and tore down all the idolatry and, and done it, did away with all that, that worship of false gods and, and established God as the God of Israel and the one to be worshipped and praised in the temple of his worship. And I, I, I've done those things that are right in your sight and I, I've never missed it so far. God, I've tried to do what you wanted me to do. And God tapped Isaiah and said, wait a minute, Isaiah. Oh, hold it. He said, go back in there and tell Hezekiah, I have seen his tears. Come on, somebody. I have seen his tears, and I have heard his cry. And you tell him that I'm going to add 15 years onto his life. Oh, you see... But you see, you live right first. I said, you pay your vows first. You honor God with your life and honor God with your praise and your attendance and your, your giving. You honor the Lord with all that. And then when trouble comes, I didn't say if it comes, when trouble comes, call upon me. Call upon me. Call upon me. And I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. What a wonderful truth that is from the pages of God's Word and what great information that is. God doesn't want us to look at Him like, a, like He's a slot machine or He's a, a, a giver of things just simply because we ask. God knows what we need. And I want to tell you something else. Emotion can cause us to say things sometimes with our mouth that we later regret. Don't say positive things and say everlasting things based on emotion. You know why? Because emotions change. I ask some people, how are you doing today? Well, you know, I have my good days and my bad days. Well, you can't make decisions on the bad day then. Write yourself a note. Don't make permanent decisions about a temporary problem. 
I said, don't make permanent decisions about a temporary situation. Don't base your decision on how you feel because feelings can fool you. I said, feelings can fool you. Feelings can take you in the wrong direction quick. Feelings can cause you to say and do things that you, you regret for a whole lifetime. Absolutely. We should probably say to God, God, help me to in good times praise your name, in bad times do the same, and in good times pray and ask for things that I want to see happen in my heart, in my personal life, in my family, and in my church. But I want to do that because of the glory of God, because the Bible said all praying, all worship, all the things that we do, are, he said do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. I want my praying to be for the glory of God. I want to preach to the glory of God. I want to sing to the glory of God. I want to come to his house for the glory of God. I want to teach his word on Wednesday night for the glory of God. Everything that I do, I want to do it for the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. And do everything that you do, do it in the name of Jesus. I said do it in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Boy, that's good preaching. Do it. In the name of Jesus, for the glory of God. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Just take it to the Lord in prayer. It's certainly true that prayer is powerful. The book of James reminds us that the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer Listen to what he says in that verse 1 through 3. I cried aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I will seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan, and when I meditate, my spirit faints. Job said, when I lay down at night, wearisome nights are appointed unto me. And when I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? And I am full of tossings to and fro unto the dawning of the day. Wow. Have you ever wrestled with God? Have you ever wrestled with God? To wrestle with God is to prevail in prayer. It's to stay with that prayer and stay in that posture and stay in that mode and stay in that, that realm until you find the blessing. Old-timers used to call it, Brother Ford, pray until you pray. What do you mean pray until you pray? I'm praying. No, you're not praying. Hadn't prayed until you pray until you pray through, they talk. Pray through. You remember, Steve, when they used to talk about pray through? 
Sometimes they'll say, have you made a decision about this or that? Well, I hadn't really prayed through about that, Brother Jerry. I hadn't prayed through about that. What does praying through mean? It means you prayed that prayer to its conclusion. You prayed that prayer until you were satisfied in your heart that you had touched God. You pray that prayer until you've exhausted all of your energy, all of your strength, all of your, your spiritual stamina in the direction of getting an answer for that prayer and praying that prayer. Praying through means when you break through and you're sure that God heard you. You get a spring in your step and you come to church and when they start singing, you act like you come to something that's exciting and, and you've come to something that, that's exhilarating and, and it's a thrill. Why? Because you know what it is to pray through. And I'll tell you, sometimes you just got to preach until you preach. Boy, I was in a revival that I like to call the name. I shouldn't do that, Brother Ford. <laughs> Wasn't any of your churches don't get that. I was at a church done every night. I was beating my head against the wall trying to preach every night. I mean, it was just like you were just trying to push a brick wall down people didn't seem to be interested they just sat there like the last rose of summer dead as a doornail singing no inspiration talking about put you to sleep preaching buddy I was doing some put you to sleep preaching And I told them, he said, boy, Brother Jerry, the people really are enjoying your messages this week. And I wanted to scream out, well, I ain't. Sorry about that. Preachers know when you've preached, don't they, Larry? Preachers know when they've preached, don't they, die. Sometimes you've just got to persevere. Stay in prayer until you pray, pray through. Amen. My dad, I used to hear him down there at that old Patilla Street Church in Hartsville. They didn't have any air conditioner or anything. They just opened the windows and you could hear all over the community. And buddy, my daddy woke that community up just about every morning. And he, my daddy, I don't ever he, remember hearing him pray quietly. He didn't sing quietly, and he didn't preach quietly. Brother, he was loud, and he was boisterous when he preached. And when he sang, he throwed his head back and opened that mouth. I don't know of anybody I know that can get their mouth as open, as wide, as my daddy when he sang. In any choir, anywhere he went, you could pick him out. Because, brother, he'd be the loudest voice in the house. And when I, you remember when we used to all get down on our knees and pray? Now, you got to go back a ways with us to get there. Arthritis has stopped us from doing that. So We used to get down on our knees and pray. We ought to have prayed about our arthritis, ought we, Don? You know, out there, I, you, you could be outside in the churchyard and you could hear a hum, a roar going on 
I can't really describe it. It was, it was like a, a roar of a bunch of people all talking at the same time and all of them talking loud at the same time. And it was a, a humming kind of a sound when God's people prayed. Brother, when God's people got down to pray, they prayed like the house was on fire. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, oh, Lord, pour out your spirit tonight. God, let your power fall in this place. God, let people come to you tonight for salvation. Let people be born again tonight, oh, God. Oh, Lord, let it fall upon me. That's the way they pray. I've only found one other group of people that prays like Pentecostals used to pray. And that's in Korea. When I went over to Paul Youngi Cho's church, 25,000 at one time. And you get that many people praying like I just prayed? Brother, you talking about a roar in the house. If I was the devil, I'd run too. Brother, you get a saint of God that prays like that, you can chase the devil off. You can get in the spirit of prayer and get anointed to pray and pray until you pray and, and break through and get answers to prayers. God sends prayers answers. He touches people that pray red-hot prayer, the effectual, fervent prayer. How long has it been since you prayed a fervent prayer? Well, Brother Ford's only one said yes. How long has it been since you prayed a fervent prayer? Like a kid fell at the well. Somebody come here, come on, hurry, hurry, come here. Come on, somebody, somebody come, come help me now. Come on, come on, come on. That's fervent. How long has it been since you prayed fervently? Since you really got a hold of the horns of the altar and you cried out to God, wasn't worried about who was listening to you, didn't care who was turning their head or blowing. You know, a lot of folks don't like your prayer to be loud. I said a lot of folks don't like your praying to be loud. They don't like my preaching to be loud. A lot of people don't like it when you pray loud like that. That's one of the things that, that's on the list of getting used to Pentecostals. I used to have this little, little list and I'd mail it to visitors. I know you're wondering why, why we all stand and pray at one time. I know you're not used to that. Here's where we do this and I'd give the scriptures. I, I know you're wondering what this coming up to the altar and taking a bottle of oil and rubbing some on somebody's forehead and start praying. I know you're wondering what that's all about. Here's the scripture, here's where that is and where you can find that. And on that list of getting used to Pentecostals is we're loud. And I want to tell you something. If I'm ever tried for being a Pentecostal, I want them to convict me. I want to be convicted. I want to be convicted. I want there to be plenty of evidence, Susie. I want to be no doubt about it. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Because prayer, 
can move the hand of God. Prayer can move the hand of God. Don told me something. You know, sometimes God just operates right on the edge, doesn't he? I guess he knows that we just need to walk like that every day by faith, not by sight. Don, how much was our assets versus liabilities for the first six months, is it? $360 to the good. You mean we uh, <clears throat> took up $362 more than we spent? I wondered if you was ever going to wake up there. Can you believe that? Last month, they come and said, Pastor, we need a big offering this, this Sunday. Said we need right out of about $35,000 this Sunday. Great Lord. I asked on Monday morning and what did you tell me the offering was for, for that Sunday, Don? Through that Wednesday night, it was actually $35,062. come in somewhere. And 68 cents. It's kind of like that Dr. Gamaliel said to that Sanhedrin court. He said, if God is in it, then you can't stop it. If God is for it, you need to quit being against it. If God has sanctioned it, if God has his hand upon it, then it will make it, it will survive. And he said, because if it's not of God, it will fail. It will fall by the wayside. Praise God. Put your hand in the hand of the man. Who stills the water? Put your hand in the hand of the man who calms the sea. Take a look at yourself and you will look at others differently by putting your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. When the world I've been living in collapses at my feet. You ever been there? When my life is shattered and torn. Ever had your life tore apart? Though I'm windswept and I'm battered, I'll still cling to his cross and find peace in the midst of the storm. Oh, there is peace in the midst of my storm-tossed life. There's an anchor, there's a rock to build my faith upon. Oh, Jesus rides 
in my vessel, so I'll fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Thank you, God, for your presence that we feel in this house. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and thank you for the liberty to deliver your word. Thank you for these scriptures, Lord, that have touched our hearts this morning, made us better. We love you. We're your people. We ask you, God, to supply that need continually, Lord. Keep your hand upon us. Lord, we don't know the way, but you know the way. You are the way. You are the truth, and you are the life. And all we know to do, God, is to follow you. Keep leading us, Lord, we pray. Dismiss us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.